know, we're a praying church, aren't we? You know, the Word of God says that my house should be called a house of prayer, not a house of music, not a house of sermons, but a house of prayer. Now, all those things are very important, right? It's not a house of programs. It's not, it's not a house of parties. And all those things are very important, but it's supposed to be a house of prayer. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. And what don't we have that we would have if we prayed? And what won't we have that we could have if we don't pray? Right? Prayer is so important, so important. And, you know, the enemy wants to fight us. He doesn't care how, how awesome you are on the stage or in a pulpit or whatever, as long as you're not praying. Because if we don't understand prayer, we're not going to pray. And we spend a lot of time talking about prayer. And we started last, uh, last well, actually started two weeks ago talking about intercession and the power of intercession. And we looked at some examples where, where God had people praying for the lost and the, and the righteous. He had God praying for uh, people praying for nations. He had people praying to bring about the will of God. And, you know, are we praying to bring about the will of God? Are we praying to bring about our own will? See, I don't care what party somebody belongs to. I want the will of God in Washington. I don't care what party they are, right? We just want to pray for the will of God. We want the will of God in our schools. We want the will of God in our city, uh, local government. That's what we want. That's what we want. When the, righteous, when the righteous are in rule, the people rejoice, the Word of God tells us. But it says, when the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? So how seriously do we take our word? And you know, we believe in the word around here, right? So today, as you know, last week we looked at the model of the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus said that we should start our prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, holy, hallowed, separate is your name. And we looked at, a, it looked at several, eight of the my, my pet names for God. And, and one of the ones that we really focused on was Jehovah Jireh. And we know that in, we say that God our provider, but that word really means God who is our provision. And we looked at that last week, that in order to have provision, you have to have prevision. And God has prevision of what's going to happen, therefore the provision is there, and there's no delay in the kingdom, right? God had provision for Abraham when he was going to sacrifice Isaac because he had the prevision that Isaac, what, Jacob, Jacob, uh, Abraham did not need to sacrifice his son, right? God had a prevision for the need of mankind to have a Savior in Genesis 3.15. So he made the provision before the foundations of the earth, it says, because he, made, he, had the, he had the provision because he had the prevision of the need of mankind. God knows what's happening in your life. Have you ever had a situation come up and you're thinking, wow, I'm sure glad God was there, like God was shocked at it, right? We don't, we don't catch God off guard, do we? We don't catch God off guard. God's well aware of what you're going to be going through next week, and he already has provision for you, but it's released through prayer. Provisions released through prayer because Jesus says you ask and you keep on asking, right? You seek and you keep on seeking. James says you don't have because you don't ask. So how much clearer can it get? Well, we have to intellectualize it. Let's see now. What does that really mean in the Aramaic and the Hebrew and the Greek and all this? Well, that's good. I love doing that. You know, I love researching and studying all that. But let me tell you, sometimes it's just right in our face. He said, you ask and you will receive. He said, men should always pray and not faint, not grow weary. He says, you don't have simply because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you have all these wrong motives. You just want to consume it on your own lust. These are wake-up calls for us. These are wake-up calls. And so I gave you a little, uh, I, this is a little different than what I gave you last week. You know, basically, if we look at the Lord's Prayer, I just like things to be simple. You know, there's, there's two, two little bookends, and then in the middle, there's declarations. We have praise, we have declarations, we have praise. And so today, we looked at praise last week, and, and that praise was focused on, on the name of God and the fact that God is our Father. We're in covenant relationship with Him. And so, but today, we're going to look at kingdom decree. He said, and I love this part of this, of this prayer. This is where I spent a lot of time decreeing God's will. I woke up about, I don't know what time it was. Well, this day, what's today, Sunday? I guess it was Thursday. All night prayer kind of gets you messed up. And I think I've slept three hours or four hours since that all night prayer. I just was so wired up I couldn't do it. So I know what Zach is saying. But anyway, I woke up and I was thinking, my, I always have this thing with my grandchildren. How many, how many knows what I'm talking about? Or your children, if you don't have grandchildren. And here I am again praying for them. God, put your warring angels around them. I named them specifically. Put your warring angels around them and protect them from harm, evil, and accident. 
And I thought about, see, that might have been the provision for the prevision God had of something coming to pass. I, told, I think I told it in here of our daughter this, many, many years ago, right after she first got married, when it was living in Florida, and um, I kept, every time I'd pray, it seemed like for a while I'd have this vision of her going through an intersection. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. And I'd pray in the name of Jesus, I bind any kind of thing like that, and put your warring angels around her and protect her. Same, you know, you, the Word of God is so simple. And after a while, that prayer, that need lifted, and she called me just after that and said, the craziest thing happened. I was going through an intersection, and I couldn't get my car to stop. All of a sudden, it just stopped. And she said, I could have been broadsided. And I thought, what would have happened had I not prayed? What don't we have that we would have if we, if we would just pray? And I thought about, just recently, with the Holocaust, I thought about the Jews and the six million plus Jews that were destroyed. And then I thought about the the story I read of, of churches that they would be, the Jews would be going by the churches on trains and they would be screaming and crying because by then they knew where they were going. And they said the churches would just sing louder and sing louder to drown out the sound of the Jews crying for life. What if the church had been praying? Would we have lost six million Jews? What if the church had been praying instead of singing louder and louder because it's too, I don't want to be bothered with this? Let me tell you, there's 60 million babies that are being aborted in our nation have been. Are we singing louder and louder and just trying to push it aside? Or we don't want to talk about that, Donna? That's political. That's biblical. That's biblical. There's nothing political about babies being destroyed. But the devil wants to make it political to create division and disharmony. See, the devil's a genius. We have to pray. Don't get all hung up on party. Get hung up on the Word of God, right? And not, don't, you know, well, never mind. Okay. So what was Jesus saying? And I believe there's really two goals that Jesus had in the Lord's Prayer. Goal number one is to the worship and praise of God. And goal number two is our bringing the reality of God's kingdom into the earth realm. I think that's his two primary goals. The worship of God and bringing the reality of God's kingdom into the earth realm. You and I are kingdom carriers, right? How many of you have the kingdom of God in you? How many act like it? How many act like they have the kingdom of God? When you go into a place, things should change, right? Darkness should flee when the kingdom of God is there. Jesus says, if I'm casting out devils with, my, with the finger of God, the, the kingdom of God is here. You think that Jesus said, okay, guys, I'm taking him back with me when I leave. No, he says it's very important that the Holy Spirit come so you can continue to do the works that I did. Right? So the kingdom of God is within us. So Jesus want, God wants the reality of God's kingdom in the earth realm. Right now we don't have the reality in operation or tangible too much if we look at what's happening in our world and in our nation. I don't know about you, but I'm concerned. I'm more concerned about the world and the nation than I am the organized church. Because the organized church is not going to carry power. It's the church of Jesus Christ that, that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Organized religion won't do it. Right? There's nothing wrong with organization. Unless it, unless it bleeds us of the power of God. Right? The church is supposed to be an organism, not an organization. An organism brings life. Organization is structure, and there's nothing wrong with structure. But structure without life is death. Structure should facilitate the moving of God, not strangulate it. And so if we have a structure that has, is robbing us of the power of God, it's not God's structure. Amen. So we have to understand the kingdom of God. And I, I really, and as I was putting this together, I was thinking, okay, God, what, how do you want me to go? Because I, I just wanted to take off in declarations, you know. And uh, I thought, and this is what I kind of heard. People don't understand about the kingdom of God just like they don't understand prayer. People really don't understand about the kingdom of God. It's just a, theo a theological term that we throw around. Well, there's just some simple things about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the place where God's will rules and reigns. If you're saying the kingdom of God dwells in you and his will is not ruling and reigning your life, it's not there. 
Is that too hard? Just giving you the word, okay? I love the word, don't you? This week we went away on Sunday right after church, and that was quite an adventure for a few days. And, um, and so we were just, just having, we just love the Lord. We just, we just have some powerful times, don't we? We've been married 40 years in June, so we've had a long time to work out some kinks. But, but anyway, so I said, God, I want to know. I mean, I always want to know why is the power not present in the churches? Does that ever bother you? That we come to church, we do three songs, we take up the offering, we do announcements, we go home and nothing's really changed. Does that not bother us? I'm just the type of mentality that I want, if this word says that we have the power of God to, to raise the dead, now we know that, I mean, let's don't get flaky. I'm not trying to get flaky. Jesus didn't raise every dead person he saw, but he did raise the ones God told him to raise. If we have the power, according to this word, to lay hands on the sick and they should recover, But now we also know that Jesus also didn't heal in one city because it was unbelief, right? So we're not getting weird or flaky. But he also, I don't see a single place where he didn't cast out a devil. I don't see a single place in Scripture where Jesus did not cast out a devil. And let me tell you, I think most sicknesses and issues are demon-related, right? That might be a lot for some of you, I don't know. But remember we talked about there's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. Who's ruling light? God, who's ruling darkness? The devil, okay? So let's just make it real clear, okay? (laughs) All right. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. It tells us in in James chapter 3, excuse me, Romans 14, 17, that it's not about what we eat or what we drink or what we wear. It's not about the size of buildings. It's, It's about righteousness, and it's about peace, and it's about joy in the Holy Ghost, Right? That's the kingdom of God. We also see that the kingdom of God does not come in word or talk only, but in power. See, we can talk about the kingdom, but is it operative? Is it tangible? Is it tangible in our life? I love the, the testimonies of people getting healed supernaturally, speedily. Don't you? Supernatural provision coming. I love that. I love it when God just brings the people across our pathway and, and they can say, man, I, my life has totally changed 180 degrees in another direction. I'm totally different because of the power and presence of God. I've had people say, well, I've gone to this counselor and that counselor and they've given me this prescription and that prescription. And I'll say, how's it working? It's not working at all. And they doubled my prescription. I'm telling you, the power of God will take, get rid of those, right? The power of God will set people free. And we see this happening. As people will take the word of God and they'll uproot these powers of darkness that have stolen from them. Okay? So the kingdom of God comes in power. It's a power to heal, to deliver, to transform. The power to heal, deliver. So you, every one of you that raised your hands, you have the power within you to bring healing and deliverance and transformation wherever you might go. So if you are in your place of business... You should bring transformation there because the power of God is present. The kingdom of God is within you, right? Your place should be different because you're there. Right? Your place should be most profitable because you're there. Has your boss ever said to you, I know we're blessed because you're here? My boss did one time after I left and the business shut down. It just kind of went downhill, and actually in two places. It, you know, the world, the world is watching, by the way. When I left my first place of employment, I worked for like 20-something years. My boss says, I'm telling you, I, 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 we're, we're going to give you whatever it will take for you to stay. I said, you can't give me enough to make me stay because God has told me to leave. It wasn't a year that place, that part of that business that I was over was sold off. Now, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you, God will make you look good, right? God will bring favor. God changes things. God recognizes things. I have another one, but I'll wait on that one. So we have the power to, tra- power to overcome the enemy. See, Christians shouldn't be walking around, oh, so, woe is me, woe is me. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Well, that's, you're, you're coming into agreement with the words of the enemy. And you're empowering that in your life. You may not know how you're going to make it intellectually, but spiritually, God says, I'm going to provide all of your needs. Right? 
You may not have a clue how you're going to make it through the week. Anybody been there? Yeah. But see, God says, I'm going to supply all of your needs. You might, not, you might think, well, I don't know how to work out this problem. He says, you call on me. I'm going to show you great and mighty things you have no knowledge of. He says, you have the mind of Christ. You don't have the mind of the world. We need to see the problem is, and what, and, well, I was, I was kind of going to a place on this thing our weekend away, or week away, is that I asked the Lord, I said, God, why is there no power in the church? And he started giving me some things which I'm not re- free to release yet. And, but I said, God, I, I'm going to release one. I said, God, I, you know, he said, these, I said, I want to know for me personally, and I want to know for the church at large, I want to know for impact. What is it need, that needs to change to see the power of God released in our presence? So he gave me four things, and he said, there's more coming. Don't you love that? It's like you're getting a whipping, and you're saying, okay, you're going to get another one next tomorrow, you know. <laughs> and so, so we can, we're coming in here, and I'm going to tell you this one. I'm going to tell you this one because I think this affects much of the body of Christ, especially those that are also in the marketplace. I was walking through the door Saturday, Friday night, and the Lord said, number five. And I thought, okay, clutter. Clutter. I want you to be processing that. How much of our life is cluttered with unnecessary things that robs us of the power and presence of God? We're so busy. Our calendar is so full. Have you ever been so tired that you knew you wanted to pray, but you just didn't have the energy to pray? Have you ever been so tired you just think, I'm just going to turn on something stupid on the TV that doesn't require me to think or burn up brain cells? Have you ever been that way? I have. I'll just be honest with you. Now I'm liking gun smoke. So far I haven't seen anything dirty in it. Because, absolutely. I want to ask you, what are you entertaining your life with? Jesus said in John 14, he says, the enemy is coming, he has nothing in me. Nothing in me belongs to him, he has no power over me. Can we say that? What does the enemy have in common with us? Whatever he has in common is going to rip us of the power that God has for us. The more the enemy has in common, the less power. The less he has in common, the more power. So what is it that entertains our minds? Christians. I see Christians. Well, not going there. Okay. Power to live a life pleasing to God. We have that power to overcome sin. I read an article in the Tribune, and it was all I could do to keep from making a comment. And I thought, well, maybe I misunderstood it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it. It was by a pastor in the city. Bless his sweetheart. But he's talking about how we are, he said, we are, we just got to know we're sin. Then he quoted some Old Testament scripture. I'm thinking, what about the other side of the cross? All these people, I don't know how many he's reading the Tribune today, but all these people read this article. And I'm thinking, they have a sin consciousness. I'm t- I don't have a sin consciousness. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint of God. I am filled with the power of Almighty God. I don't walk in sin. Do I make mistakes? Yes, but I, I pull out First John 1, 9, and he says, as soon as you repent, you're cleansed. See, we, we can't walk in this, this sinner mentality because if we do that, that's, one, that's number six. One of the things the enemy's going to rob us of is our power if we're walking around this sinner consciousness because we're looking down instead of looking up. You need to get a new identity. The body of Christ needs to get an identity consistent with God. Amen? And we have power to overcome all the strategies of the enemy. Power to overcome all the strategies of the enemy. Ephesians 6 talks about that. If we put on the full armor of God. And don't be one of those that takes it off at night. That's when the, you know, the, night, the, the, the last two night watches are filled with demonic activity. Don't take off your armor. You learn to sleep in it. So we have the power to overcome every strategy of the enemy. You know, it says in uh, is it Isaiah 9, it says, um, Wonderful Counselor. That's, that translates extraordinary strategist. Extraordinary strategist. Jesus is an extraordinary strategist. If we have the kingdom of God within us, we have the extraordinary strategist. It's the hope of glory of Christ living in us. So if you have a problem, there's nothing God and you can't figure out. 
You might have to turn the TV off. Okay? Spend a little time in prayer. There's nothing you can't do. I tell you all the time, God may not have a miracle, but he always has a plan. You can get the strategy of his plan. That's his, that's his word to us. Number four, the kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom. It's forever. It's an eternal kingdom. Many, many years ago, the Lord gave me this little thing. It's called, you know how we like WWW. That was back when the Internet was really getting, I mean, that's how long ago it was, uh, really getting uh, the big deal. And I, I said, okay, WWW. And I put today God's kingdom, but it was God's word, God's will, God's way. If you think about the God's kingdom, is God's word is the law of our life. See, this regulates how we walk, how we act, how we think, how we, how we choose to behave in every area of our situation. Well, what if I don't agree with some parts of it, then throw it all away? Seriously. We, we had this conversation last night. If there's one part of this I can't agree with, I can get rid of it all. Who am I to pick and choose? We haven't done in a long time just the, the accuracy of Scripture. If you go back and you research it, and you, I mean, it's, it's powerful. Maybe we'll do that sometime on a Wednesday night. You know, some people say, well, it depends on how you translate it. No, I think the Holy Ghost translation is the best version we need, right? Have you ever looked at, read a scripture, and you've read it and read it and read it, and all of a sudden it just blows up in your head? That happened with Proverbs 16 last week. It says, man has his plans, but God has the right answer. Man has his plans, but God has the right answer. See, you might have a plan to do something, but God has the right answer of whether or not you're going to do it and how you're going to do it, right? So God's will is the motivator of our life. I will to do what pleases God. And God's way is the focus in our life. And Jesus tells us to command God's kingdom to come. And you're saying, well, command seems a little strong, Don. That's exactly what it says in the language. It's an imperative. And it's very important that we understand that because we have two kingdoms in conflict. Let me tell you, if the kingdom of God is absent, the kingdom of darkness is present. We've got to understand that. If the kingdom of God is absent, the kingdom of, of darkness is present. So it's one or the other. There's no middle ground, right? So Matthew 6, 10 through 9. I'm going to get, just, just bear with me this little bit of Greek, Greek grammar lesson here, okay? But if we can get back and understand what it's really saying, we can get... We, I mean, we, we were shouting in the house yesterday, weren't we? Because it gave us some revelation in another area. But Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if we look at that, if we look at that verb, come, it could even be a verbal participle, I'm not sure, but don't worry about that. But it's in the aorist tense. Now, just, just believe me, okay? This is very important. It's in the aorist tense, okay? I promise this is the last time I'm going to do this today. And it's used, the, the, yeah, just today. I can't guarantee you next week. But the aorist tense verb is used by a writer to present the action of a verb as a snapshot event. It's not a progression of time. It's like I hit the ball. When did I hit it? Now. Right now. There's no progression. Now, I might go back and re-hit the ball, but that's another incident, right? That's another activity. But I hit the ball. I Paper on the table. I put it on this right now, right? So when we're say, he's saying, I want you to say that the kingdom imperative, that's a command, kingdom come. When? Now. Not kingdom come whenever I get around to feeling like it or maybe God, you know, I hope God's on time. Let me tell you something. God's already done everything he needs to do. There are no delays in the kingdom. Have you heard that before? There are no delays in the kingdom. Do you ever see Jesus, other than when he, people would hinder, right? We can pray for people if they're out of faith. That's on them, but not us. The kingdom's there, Right? But everything we need has already been provided for us because God has the provision for the prevision, right? There is no... There is, and let me read the rest of this. The verb's actions portrayed simply and in summary fashion without respect to any process. I hit the ball. Kingdom come, right? And then it says an aorist participle usually refers to antecedent time with respect to the main verb. What is antecedent time? It's the prevision, Antecedent time is when something we see something in the past for something that's going to happen in the future. Am I, am I making sense? Y'all getting it? Okay. So if I have, if God sees something here that's going to happen three weeks from now, 
this is antecedent time when, this, when I get to this point. But the provision is there because God's already made the provision. There's no delays in the kingdom. If we're walking in faith, if we're praying to release the provision, right? It's not a wave your magic wand. Now, I said we don't get weird. We, we believe in the word around here. We stay balanced. But we have to understand that God has already done what he's going to do. When Jesus said it was finished, there was a whole lot in that little verse. It's also an aorist active imperative. Active means continuous action or an active verb. Imperative is a command that is expressing a state of possibility. So kingdom come, right? Kingdom come, be healed in Jesus' name. Well, I don't believe God's going to heal me. The possibility of the kingdom is present. Do we grab hold of it? Or do we do like those that Jesus prayed for in, in one of the cities, was it Jerusalem, wherever he prayed for? Because of their unbelief, he was not able to do many mighty works. Because unbelief and lack of faith can nullify the effects of the kingdom. How many of us need something done in our life? Let me tell you, if you've got the kingdom of God in you, the kingdom of the presence of God is intense in here this morning. Don't you love the presence of God? If we don't feel the presence, we might as well go home, right? I'm not interested if we don't have the presence. But God has already made provision for you and for any of our needs. He's already made the provision. We need to, it, so the pre, listen to this, the prevision creates an opportunity for the provision. God, God saw in past time, I'll use that word, said antecedent time, God saw in past time something coming. So he created an opportunity for that provision to be made in our lives. See, everybody, the, the, Jesus came for everybody, but everybody doesn't take that opportunity, do they? Right? So God has a provi- provision, provision for our need regardless regardless of where we're at in place or time. But that's another important thing. It generates the possibility of the provision to become a reality in our life. We have not because we ask not. And when we ask, we ask with wrong wrong motives. That's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. So we have to understand two very important things about the kingdom. First of all is the timing of the kingdom. When is it? Now, he says, your kingdom come. In Matthew 6, 11, he says, give us this day our daily bread. That's the exact same verbal tense, forgive, as it is for come. Give us this day. You go, God, give me this day. Well, let me think about it. Let's see here. If I start sending it now, you might get it by Saturday. Anybody ever worried that God was going to be on time? God, the sale will be over Saturday. I need this extra money today. Have you ever bought a car in, in, the, in the fall? I remember we bought Terry's truck, and we were down in Alabama, actually. He said, Terry, this, is, this deal is going off three weeks, two weeks, or whatever. And, and, of course, we wanted to buy a car up here, the truck up here. And we thought, well, you know, that's not really real. Miss Robbins used to say there'll be sales till Jesus comes. So we said, we're going back to Concord. Well, we didn't find the deal in Concord, in the, or the truck, actually. got the deal, but you just didn't get the truck you wanted. So we go back after the expiration time of the deal. We got that deal, didn't we? See, you, you, we can we can get into we can get ourselves into a tizzy on man's calendar when God's not in that at all. God's made the provision, and if it hadn't been, we wouldn't have even probably. Who cares? God didn't want us to have it, right? So th- He says, "Give us this day our daily bread." And then in Matthew seven, ask and it'll be given. The same verbal tense for those verbs: ask and it'll be given. And I think Jesus is saying for us, don't be intimidated, but command. Don't be intimidated by what you see. Command what you hear and what you know the Word of God says. If the Word of God says that I'm the Lord God who heals all of your diseases, don't be intimidated by what the doctor tells you when he puts a label on you, right? I thank God for labels. Sometimes we need to be able to speak to that label. See, that mountain is that label. See, if you come back with a bad diagnosis, then you say, in the name of Jesus, I speak to that mountain. I have faith in God. I'm not doubting in my heart. The thing has to go. Now, God, I trust you on the plan to get it gone, right? Whether it's a miracle or whether it's a plan. 
Anybody ever wanted a miracle and got a plan? That happened with my knee. I so believed I was going to get a miracle. And I, was, I left here on church believing I had the miracle when I couldn't even walk. And I knew God. I knew God was saying, no, you're not getting a miracle, you're getting a plan. And Becky said, I didn't even have faith to pray for the miracle. Well, I can't tell you what has come out of that plan, the incredible things that have come out of that plan. But you know what? God is great, and God is good. Amen? So we say it has to be, it, the kingdom is now. It's a now, it's a now. We need a now word, don't we? We need to quit living off the words from the prophets 10, 20, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Where's the now word of God? We, if we have a now kingdom, there's a now word, Right? There's a now sound, Dan. I believe there's a sound for every move of God. There's a shift in every move of God. There's a na- we have to, are we listening? Are we spending time? Or, or is our life so cluttered that we don't have time for God to hear the now word? How many don't get their plan because they don't sit still long enough to hear what God's trying to say to them to do it? Right? We've all failed it many times, I'm sure. Number two is the location of the kingdom. Where is it? We talked about this a minute ago. Luke 17, Jesus said, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. It's not going to come if you sing enough songs and jump and shout enough and all of this other stuff. You can, you can, you can preach all you want to and all this. He says, but it, it's going to come, because, and people's going to say, well, here it is or there it is. Let's quit running through all these little things, that are, these little pockets of stuff. You know, God is God everywhere, right? It says, because the kingdom of God is in you. Now, do you believe it? Like I said last week, when we say our Father, that presupposes a relationship with God. This presupposes a relationship with God. The kingdom of God is not going to indwell a person who's in sin, right? We're not going to cut off, you know, he doesn't have a little corner of our heart and say, okay, God, no, I, I just believe it's, it's all or nothing with God, is what I think, if you really want to walk in power. I was telling my husband, and I don't know if this is theoretically or theologically accurate, but this is kind of what I thought, so I've got to search it out a little bit and think about it. I said, I think there's two kinds of Christians that love God. I think there's the Christian that really loves God, and they really love coming to church, and they really love getting involved in church, but they really don't want to spend time with Him. And then there's the Christian that really wants to pursue God. They're going to spend their time in worship. They're going to spend their time in prayer. It's kind of like a marriage relationship, I told him. I said, you can be, have you ever seen people that's been married for years and they do everything together? They look good on the outside, but there's really no, they don't ever talk. They don't ever communicate. There's no real intimacy in their relationship. But looking at them, they look pretty good and healthy. And they'll probably live all their life together. But then there's those who really spend time talking and, and, and planning and, and, and pursuing the relationship. And I think that's kind of where Christians are. These are going to, they're going to go to heaven when they die because they made Jesus the Lord of their life, whatever that means to them. But are we pursuing God? He says, when you seek for me with all of your hearts, you're going to find me. See, we can be Christians who live by the rules or we can be Christians who live by the relationship. I want to live by the relationship. How about you? We say the kingdom of God is spiritually discerned and is, and is found within the heart of man. As we carry God into the world, as we carry the word into the world, the kingdom of God is in us. It's not found in a political system. Don't put all your ducks in a row on a party, a political party. It's not about that. It's not about a party. Government's only as good as the people. It's also only as corrupt as the people, right? It's not found in a religious system. Churches are only as good as the people. I just read just this morning that 47% of the Mainline churches, whatever that is, I think it's, I think I know what it is. Approve of the gay marriage. Well, we love people, but the Word of God doesn't approve of it, right? Pentecostals less than one percent, Baptists less than three. See, so it, it's the kingdom of God. It dwells in us as we dwell and we and we pursue that relationship with Him. Also tells us in John three that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again cannot see the kingdom of God so if you haven't been born again you need to be born again how do I do that I say God I want to I just ask you to forgive me for my sins I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life and I profess it 
See, repentance without the lordship is not salvation. Right? We've we've had we've had we've had uh, Christianity without true repentance. True repentance is totally turning and going in the other direction. It's totally having a change of heart. It's a change of behavior. It's behavior modification, so to speak, in a in an intense way toward God. That we we are so in love with God that we don't want to do anything that would displease God. See, that's what repentance is. We cannot enter also unless we become like a child. He says, unless you're converted and become as a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So here's just a little picture of what us being uh, kingdom dwellers or, or abiders, I should say, is supposed to look like. We have the kingdom of God. Through prayer, the kingdom of God is released into the earth. God works through mankind to bring his kingdom into the earth. The transfer is accomplished through prayer, declarations, and our obedient works of faith. That's the way we're going to put the... Uh, well, put the kingdom of God into our workplace. You know, we also believe that the church is to be ecclesia. It's not just supposed to be a Sunday morning meeting. When we go out of here, things should be different. When we go out of here, we carry the presence of God. We carry the influences of the word of God. And we preach the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached. Let me tell you what Jesus preached. Listen to this. I don't have it on the slide. Everybody wants to talk about how Jesus... Is such a peacemaker, and he is. He said, I leave you a legacy of peace, but this is what he said. I didn't come to send peace to the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Whoa, that's different. I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. Matthew twelve twenty eight says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon us. Should we be casting out demons, by the way? Or is that just for the pastor? Well, what if there's a demon sitting beside you on the job? With a nameplate, a name badge. And you know, and we say this all the time, supernatural should be very natural. You shouldn't have to create a scene, right? Jesus cast them out with a word. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit. Rebuke the spirit of strife. I rebuke the spirit of discord. We do it all the time at our office. If there's strife or division, we just cut it down. We rebuke the devil, knock his knees out from under him, talk to the people, we make, make peace, and then here we are. We're not going to allow the kingdom of darkness to take rule and reign. Same in this church. Something happens when the kingdom is in place. I said there's, there's going to be an obvious difference. And Luke 19 says, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. When our heart changes, our behavior changes. When our thoughts change, our behavior changes. If we wrap our mind around what this word says, then our behavior is going to be consistent. But if we wrap our mind around what everybody else says, the culture, the culture, then we're going to do what the culture says. Acts 17, 6, listen to this. These Christians have turned the world upside down, and now they're coming here. The Christians are turning the world upside down. See, when you go on your job, you should be turning your job upside down, right? You should be bringing the presence and the, the, the approval and the favor of God. People should be drawn to you. I, I ran into a guy that I worked with for 20-plus years a couple of weeks ago. I haven't seen him in 10 years probably, or maybe longer, maybe 20 years. And I just happened to, we recognized each other. But I remember the day, he was not a believer, when I got born. And I was so radical. I mean, I went from darkness to literally to light. I mean, it was so radical. And I remember just expressing to him about salvation in God. And he came in one day after lunch and tears going down his face. And he said, I had to pull over my car because the presence of God filled my car. And he said, I repented and I became a believer. See, we don't have to get him in front of everybody and say, now, get on your knees and let's repeat after me. It's the presence of God. It's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. Had another lady approach me about baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she wanted about, I've told you this story, many of you, but speaking in tongues, and, I, and I, I've never said it, it's a story at the water fountain. And I said, yeah, I believe in that. And she said, what is it? And I told her. And she was of, of the, one of those mainline denominations. And so she goes home, she comes back the next day, and she's, she said, I got filled with the Holy Spirit last night on her bed, in her bedroom by herself. See, it's the presence of God that will connect people to his will for their life. And needless to say, she left. She had to leave the denominational church because they didn't want to hear it. 
That's okay. There's good people everywhere. I'm not saying that. But are we turning our world upside down? What about our families? Are we turning our families upside down? Do people call you when they're in trouble to pray? Or are they just calling you for a check? Or both? I want to ask you, what effect has Christianity had on the world in general? I think it's going like this. But it's time the church become alive. It's time we begin to be the church instead of just doing church, right? We have to be the church. We have to be the kingdom of God. That's right. Are you guys okay with Charlotte being the number one sex trafficking center? And I'm not okay with that either. So what, why don't we do something about it? Why don't we pray? Get the little bit. We're actually going to pray before we leave here today for our nation and for, for that. Because I have children and grand- grandchildren that are young. Somebody who was telling us, was it at the prayer time last night, was telling us about someone's 22-year-old daughter that gone into Walmart. Was that at prayer Oh, it was you? Your 22-year-old daughter was at Walmart, and two guys came up and tried to abduct her, and her brother just happened to be there. Here in Concord, by the way. Tell me we don't need to pray. I'm telling you, when you wake up and the Lord's putting a child on your heart, you better pray. Lamentations 2 says, Arise in the middle of the night and cry out to the Lord. Let, let, your, let your tears run from your eyes because your children are starving on the streets. It's so sad. So sad. So what are we declaring for our lives? What are you declaring? I want to ask you, what are you declaring? I'm declaring nothing. Well, you, you ought to be declaring something, right? Matthew 16, 19, Jesus says, this is after he, he told Peter, he said, you know, God revealed that Jesus was the Messiah. He said, that's the foundation of the church is that Jesus is, is the Messiah, the Son of God, the only Son of God, the only way to God. He says, I'm going to give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth what is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. He said, I'm giving you the keys to bind on earth what is bound in heaven and to loose on earth what is loosed in heaven. How many has at least one thing in your life you know is not from the kingdom of God? In your family or in your children or in your situation? Anybody? Yeah. You have the authority. You have the key to bind that, to forbid it, because God forbids it. But you have to release something in return. See, we want if, you, if you've got sickness, okay, you bind sickness, but you release healing, right? If you've got poverty in your life, you, be, you bind a poverty mentality and you release the blessings of God, right? If you've got emotional disturbances, you bind that in Jesus' name and you release the, the peace of God. So we have that authority. What needs to be bound? I want you to stand if you will. And I really, I wanted you to pray. I'm glad we prayed earlier because it's kind of an object lesson here. You have got to do it for you. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. And if you're struggling with something, you need to bind that thing that you're struggling with because, I mean, you know, if you've been in our Luke 418, we talk about generational issues all of the time. We talk about roots of bitterness all of the time and how they can defile us and defile everyone that we're around. See, we have to deal with our stuff. Even Jesus couldn't do great and mighty works because of their unbelief, right? So we have to ask ourselves, God, what is it that needs to be bound in my life? Dan, would you? What needs to be bound in your life? Just, I just want you to take a moment. This is serious. Take a moment. You might need to take an hour. But. You know, sometimes we just don't know what we don't know, right? Sometimes we need to bind ignorance. Well, how do we bind ignorance? By replacing it with knowledge. Right? Well, this is what I was taught all my life. Have you read the Bible? What does the Bible tell you about this? I've had people say, well, you know, I was taught that God doesn't heal everybody. No, God, God heals, has already healed everybody. Everybody doesn't get healed. Big difference. Everybody doesn't get healed, but God has healed, made provision for everyone's healing. We see people that go into cycles of behavior. Actually, on March the 4th, I think it is, Brenda Rock is going to be on Wednesday night, is going to teach on... Uh, we've got to come up with a better name but narcissism 
We're just finishing up uh, the victory over the darkness. And you say, why are we doing that? Because half the people in the church are narcissistic. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but a lot are. Probably starts in the pulpit in many places. It's time that we got rid of any attitude or spirit or behavior that's inconsistent with the Word of God. I wear this purple bracelet because it's for domestic violence victims. And most of these victims are the victim of a narcissist's personality. It's all throughout the Bible. Just read about Jezebel. Give me men and women. So many, so many examples. What about Satan? The most beautiful thing in the world, all the wisdom. He wants everybody to bow down to him. That's a narcissist. I'm the most best looking. I know everything, and I'm going to control you. So it filters out into spirits of control and religion and all this other stuff that happens. So Brenda's going to tell us how to be free. But he's also going to tell us how to recognize that spirit. See, that's the thing in the workplace. If you're working with a narcissist, so you're not fighting flesh and blood, you're fighting a spirit. So you've got to know how to counter that spirit without destroying the person, right? We do a lot of counseling, especially in a couple of different populations that are very heavily infested with narcissistic personality disorders. And that's what they, it was, it was brought in from their very youth and they didn't even know what they were doing. The parents didn't. And so they're thinking, what's wrong with me? Somebody's got to control, might as well be me, right? So I want you to think about some things that you really feel like God is not pleased with. Maybe some things that need to be bound up. Anger. Anger. Hey, just because you stand behind a pulpit or involved in ministry doesn't mean you've got it all together. One of the your little girls we just hired a couple about a few months back in another position, administrative anyway. She's just coming out of a marriage where they were very involved in their church and in ministry and youth ministry. Repeated unfaithfulness, repeated control, even now sending crazy text. And you're thinking, this was a man of God who worked in the house of the Lord? We need to get into the Word and know what God is to say. How about insecurities? I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Well, who told you that lie? You're listening to the devil. God says you're more than enough. He says for you to say about you what He says about you. And He says, I made you the head and not the tail, Duke and Rod. He said, I made you above and not beneath. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. The day you received Christ, you became a new creation. John 1.12 says, you now have the blood of the Father flowing through you. He has given you the right, the authority to be called a child of God. We don't have to be intimidated by the enemy. We don't have to. Anger, insecurity, temper, lying, lust. All of these things affect the body of Christ. And so many times because we don't know what to do, we just keep pushing them away, thinking if I ignore it, it'll go away. That never happens. It just gets larger and larger and larger. See, God speaks in private before he ever exposes in public. He whispers before he ever shouts. And if God's been whispering at you about an attitude, don't go there, don't do this, stay away from that. If you don't listen to the whisper, you're going to hear the shout, and the shout's usually public. Right? We've got to, we've got to have that relationship with God. Thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you, Lord. God, I just pray that you would give us a heart that chases after you. I pray, Father God, that we would have a heart that pursues you. God, that we would let no thing entertain our minds but you that is pleasing to you, Lord. That we can say that the devil has nothing in common with me. He has no power over me. And God, I pray as we're this next few moments that you'll just go through this 
crowd of people, Lord, and you'll just expose to them, speak, whisper to them, Father God, the things you want to deal with, the things that you know are robbing them of peace and power and healing and prosperity. God, you're not a genie in a bottle that you can rub the bottle and out pops God and gives you your favorite blessing. You're not that. You're not a magic wand, God. But you said you've given to us everything we need for life and for godliness. But it comes through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is your word to us. So, Father, I pray for every one of us that you have revealed something to us, Father God. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we bind that thing. We cast out that thing. We cast out that influence. We say, devil, we're removing your legal right to be in our thoughts and our emotions and our minds. And God, we refill that with the word of God. We replace that with the word of God. And God, we know that if our mind is stayed on you, you said you would keep us in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. That you would keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on you. Thank you, God. And God, now we just re- we receive the blessing. We receive the release of that thing that's not going to be there, not supposed to be there. God, we re- re- receive the release of it. But we also receive, Father, the replacement blessing. The provision, God. You had a prevision of even today occurring and the things you've been revealing to your people. You had a prevision, but you got the provision for them, for us. God, we thank you. God, I just want to pray, help us get the clutter out of our life. Help us quit, Lord, just giving you leftovers. God, let our calendar not be filled with so many appointments, but Lord, let us have an appointment with you. Let you be priority. Let you be more important. Thank you, God. Lord, we just so love you. We so appreciate you. We so bless you, Lord. We know that we're nothing without you, but we're everything with you. We can do nothing without you, but we can do everything with you. Thank you, God, that we, we possess the mind of Christ, that we possess the kingdom of God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we have authority over all the working power of the enemy. You've given to us that authority. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just praise you and bless you in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give somebody a holy hug.